When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, our approach to aquarium keeping is as much a mindset as it is a practice. And although the practical techniques are relatively easy to grasp and execute, the philosophical components can be confusing and seem a bit contradictory at times. We preach radical patience, yet completely embrace the idea of, you know, dramatically changing things within the greater mindset. Huh? What the fuck? Yeah, you should do what feels right to you. And sometimes that means creating an aquarium which doesn't look anything like you'd want it to until long after it's been established. Other times it means tearing stuff apart immediately and redirecting your tank based on a different vision. Yet I always urge you to take a slightly longer view of what's going on in your tank. Not to, you know, rush to completely tear down your aquarium just because it doesn't seem to be getting where you want it to go right after you set it up. Stuff takes time. Looking back on some of my favorite tanks that I've executed in the past few years, it becomes increasingly obvious to me that these systems really didn't hit their look and feel, their stride, that we really enjoyed until long after they'd evolved naturally, however long that took. And it seems to me that in the botanical method aquarium, stuff needs to acquire a sort of a patina of a biofilm, a, a stain from the tannins in the water and a decomposition of the you know botanical materials and needs to really begin before one of these aquariums turns functional as well. It kind of really gets going. And that's part of why using aesthetics only as an evaluation criteria for a successful botanical method aquarium falls a bit short, in my opinion. I mean, every new botanical method tank literally looks cool, or likely looks cool, I should say, to a you know broader swatch of the aquarium world from day one. I mean, fresh leaves and all that stuff look great if you're just using superficial aesthetics as your metric. But the long-established ones really stand out for what they really are. After four to six months, that's when things get really special. After nature's done a lot of the real work on the tank. The decomposition of materials in water impacts our aesthetics greatly, as we all know by now. And that's what's so intriguing. The crisp leaves and the dry, lifeless twigs that you submerge will evolve into a dynamic, ever-changing microcosm. And every tank can get you there. Simply by exercising patience and letting your aquarium be. I've long held that, I don't know, probably my favorite botanical method aquarium of all was one I did about, I guess it was about three years ago, an aquarium that utilized mangrove wood, a lot of leaf litter, and catapa bark throughout. And it's probably the only tank in recent years that I've truly regretted changing and moving on from. I knew what it was I wanted, uh, that, you know, what it was that I wanted from the start, but it didn't look like much at first. 
it would have tested a lot of people's patience and faith if they saw it in its early stages. It literally looked like shit for the first couple of months of its existence. Slightly tinted water, a little bit cloudy, a really contrived looking campfire like wood stack, you know, bare sand and mostly intact botanicals and not a lot of them. I had to do a bunch of you know, iterations with the hardscape to kind of get it where I wanted. It looked quite contrived at points, but I knew instinctively that if I waited it out, let nature do her thing, that the potential was huge in this tank. And sure enough, a few months in, the biofilms you know, really started forming. The wood acquired that sort of patina that we talk about so much. Leaves and botanicals softened and started breaking down. The water took on what I think to this day is still probably the most, most earthy-looking, deeply mysterious color that I've ever seen in a botanical-influenced you know, blackwater-themed aquarium. It was, it was wonderful. By some standards, the water in the tank could be described as almost turbid, taking on an appearance as though there were like fine materials in the water column, which there likely were. Yet the tank had a real magical appearance. With the lighting, the fishes were as colorful, relaxed, and happy as any I've ever seen, and the water parameters were spot-on and consistent for as long as the tank was set up. The essence of wabi-sabi, for sure. Transience in the ephemeral aspects of our botanicals, the wonders of nature, all that stuff and rolled up into one package. Just took a little time. Now, I could have intervened at a number of junctures, trying to circumvent these aesthetic deviations while the tank was evolving. However, I knew not to. I knew that the long-term gains from letting the system simply evolve would far exceed any you know, relief that I'd gained from siphoning out the biofilms, removing decomposing leaves, clearing the water, digging up the sand, whatever. And as usual, nature delivered because I didn't get in her way. We've done this numerous times with similar results, inauspicious starts that created tanks that were memorable, perhaps even amazing by some standards. Botanical method aquariums, you know, typically require more time to evolve than more conventional aquarium systems do. They're dependent upon the development of a specialized ecology, which includes, as we've talked about ad nauseum here, fostering organisms like fungal growths and biofilms. The process can be expedited or manipulated a bit, but to achieve truly meaningful and beneficial results, you just can't rush stuff. You can't interrupt it either. When you do, as we've learned, results can be, well, different than they would be if you allowed things to continue on their own pace. Not necessarily always bad, just not as good as what's possible if you relax and let nature do her course you know, run her course without interruption. Following a plan is never a bad idea. It can lead some, you, know, you to some pretty exciting destinations, really. However, the ability to pivot and go with the flow is really important, too. It's not always a bad idea to switch things around if you're suddenly inspired to do so. What I hate to see is when hobbyists attempt to intervene on the processes which are occurring in the tank, like the recruitment of biofilms and the fungal growth, the breakdown of leaves, all that stuff. That is a problem, in my opinion. You can change the overall theme without irrevocably interrupting nature's processes. Yeah, there is a certain kind of intervention which I occasionally embrace myself. As I previously you know, discussed here many times, on occasion I'll start to execute on an idea that I've had and very early or sometimes not so early in the process, I'll completely lose interest in it for whatever reason. It could be anything from not feeling it to I hate that I can't find, you know, hide that aquarium heater or filter. I've done that recently, in fact. And that desire to abort and move on to something else on my to-do list just sort of beckons. In general, however, I play a really long game. 
one which acknowledges the fact that our botanical style aquariums or botanical method aquariums, I'm still saying style, I want to drill it into my own head and your head that we like to call it botanical method, okay? So let's try to remember that, Scott. <laughs> anyway, our botanical method aquariums evolve over very long periods of time and not really reaching the state that we perhaps envisioned that they would for many months. My actions almost always reflect this mindset, unless there's some major emergency about the only thing that I might do is add a few more botanicals, maybe rearrange the wood, or just wait it out. Of course, if you're really not feeling it, and it happens, does it mean tearing the whole thing apart and starting over? No. You can change the look or aesthetic direction of an aquarium fairly significantly without disrupting its function. One of the things I've done in a lot of in recent years when making these kind of big changes to existing aquariums is to keep the substrate layers from my existing tanks and just build on them. It makes a ton of sense, really. Why waste this goodness just because the theme of the new tank is different than the existing one? Your South American themed tank won't be that much different if you change up the hardscape to turn it into a Southeast Asian themed tank while leaving the substrate layer intact, right? That really doesn't matter. The substrate is substrate in a botanical method aquarium. It has a certain look to it, regardless of what your theme is. In other words, I'm taking advantage of the well-established substrate layers, complete with their sediments, their decomposing leaves, bits of botanicals, and all that stuff, and simply building on them with some additional substrate and leaves. I've done this many, many times over the years, and I'm sure a lot of you have too. It's hardly a game-changing practice, but it's something not everybody really talks about. Now, I believe that preserving and building upon an existing substrate layer provides not only some biological stability, you know, the nitrogen cycle, but it has the added benefit of maintaining some of the ecological diversity and richness created by the beneficial fauna and the materials present within the substrate. I know many old hobby, hobby old timers might question the safety or the merits of, you know, practices like this, disturbing a tank. Uh, mentioning things like disturbing the bacterial activity or releasing toxic gases. I've heard those kind of arguments. A lot of them would rather have you simply remove the stuff altogether. It's all or nothing for them. And I'm not sure how leaving the substrate layer intact is problematic. It, it, it doesn't die. I believe that um, that particular belief that something bad's going to happen is really steeped in aquarium mythology. It conflates a lot of different ideas and topics and has generally been sort of misapplied and misunderstood over the years to the point where we've gotten this thing that's in our head that says, don't touch anything related to the substrate. You'll damage the aquarium. Don't mix things up without breaking it down completely. I don't know. I've simply never experienced any kind of issues of this nature from this type of practice. And, you know, well-maintained systems generally are pretty robust and capable of evolving from these kinds of disturbances. And we're not really disturbing the substrate when we preserve it, are we? Moving around a few pieces of, you know, wood or rock might cloud the water a bit. It might throw up a little bit of uh, detritus or decomposing leaves or whatever, but it's not a wholesale disturbance of the substrate and the processes, more importantly, the processes occurring within it. I see way more benefits to this practice than I do any potential issues. Since I tend to manage the water quality of my aquariums well, if I say so myself, I haven't had any issues such as ammonia or nitrite spikes by doing this in fresh or saltwater systems. It's a logical way of maintaining stability and continuity, even in an arguably disruptive and destabilizing time. The, this idea of a perpetual substrate, keeping the same substrate layer going in successive aquarium iterations is just one of those things I believe that we can do to replicate nature in an additional way. And you're like, huh, what? Well, think about it for just a second. In nature, 
The substrate layer in rivers, streams, and yeah, flooded forests and pools tends to not completely wash away during wet or dry seasonal cycles. Oh sure, some of the material comprising the substrate layer may get carried away by currents or other weather, you know, weather dynamics, but for the most part, a good percentage of the material and the life forms within it remains when the water recedes. Wind and weather add additional materials to the now terrestrial environment, which becomes part of the aquatic environment when the water returns. So by preserving the substrate from previous iterations of your aquarium and perhaps refreshing it a bit with some new materials, and of course, you're not talking about drying it out, right? You're just talking about, you know, it wet or damp while you're putting new stuff in there and refilling it. Uh, but if you leave you know, it intact and maybe add a few new things like sand, sediment, gravel, leaves, botanicals, whatever, you're essentially mimicking some aspects of the way nature functions in these wild habitats. And from an aquarium management perspective, consider the substrate layer a living organism or a collective of living organisms, as it were. And you're sure to look at things a bit differently next time you conduct a redo or, of your aquarium. I suppose one could view the process of perpetuating the substrate almost like you know pursuing eternal youth or whatever. It's not entirely possible to achieve, but you can easily embrace the idea of renewal and continuity within your aquarium. It's a very natural process. Perhaps it's even beneficial in some way over the long term. Things change in nature. Some things are utilized elsewhere and other things are preserved in situ. Nothing goes to waste. Rather, stuff gets folded into the changing ecosystem. Leaves on the forest floor become a lush ecological niche for fungal growth and bacteria and a grazing substrate for fishes when the waters return. Tree branches become attachment points for epiphytic plants, sponges, and other aquatic life forms, etc., etc. Nature's very efficient, so we should take a cue from her. Disruption is often a form of renewal and in part of the evolution of an ecosystem in nature. Patience, as always, is the key ingredient here. Of course, this is a hobby, and it should be fun, and you should feel free to change stuff up, stuff up if it's not. However, make it a point to consider your actions in the big picture, and then suddenly it takes on a greater significance. You need to have an understanding that you're creating a dynamic environment, not simply an aquascape. It's a constantly evolving thing, even when you're not ripping it apart. It's anything but static, sort of like a planted aquarium, but in reverse. Rather than, you know, plants growing, the botanicals are, for want of a better word, diminishing. At any given time, you'll have materials like leaves in various states of decomposition. You'll have seed pods slowly softening, breaking down, and recruiting biofilms in that patina of fungal growth. It begs the most fundamental of questions about our botanical method practice. What happens over time in a botanical method aquarium? What changes occur along the way? Well, typically at its simplest, as most of you who've played with this stuff know, the botanicals will begin to soften and break down. Botanical materials are like the very definition of the word ephemeral. And nothing lasts forever. Botanicals are no exception. Pretty much everything we utilize, from guava leaves to oak twigs, starts to soften and break down over time once it's submerged. Most of these materials should be viewed as consumables, meaning that you'll need to replace them over time if you want to maintain some environmental consistency or if you want them in your tank. Again, perfectly analogous to what occurs in nature, with new material constantly being deposited into the environment. You're not an aquascaper in the classic hobby sense when you play with these types of systems. Rather, you're sort of a superintendent to nature, helping or do what she's done for eons. You're not simply an idle passenger either. You play an active role in conceiving, setting up, and maintaining such a system. You need to take some cues from nature, and that often means simply standing by and observing as she does her work and goes through her process. You learn. You evolve with your aquarium. 
on a very real level. Sometimes it requires intervention on your part, or at least in your mind. Other times, it simply involves sitting back, letting things unfold, and observing patiently. Watching a display aquarium evolve and sort of find itself naturally over time is proving to be one of the most enjoyable discoveries I've made in the hobby in decades. It's a mindset that I actually had in my youth, by necessity, because when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of resources except for time. You know, you can't really help but do anything but just stay in the circumstances you're in and watch what happens. Yet I kind of lost it as I grew into adulthood and evolved in the hobby, you know, with more skills and economic resources and, you know, a little less patience at times. You know, I could do more, but the reality is that it wasn't always the right thing. It took me a few decades after hitting the so-called advanced hobbyist status before it really, you know, kind of hit me that by simply studying the function of natural ecosystems, all the answers I needed to be successful as an Aquarius were right there. I just needed to figure out which questions to ask. I'm still deep in that process, you know, decades later. By understanding that my aquariums are governed by the same laws which apply to natural aquatic ecosystems and developing and following simple practices and husbandry routines to embrace this and monitoring what's occurring in the tank as opposed to constantly trying to intervene to preempt what we in the hobby have commonly perceived to be problems, I personally had more beautiful, healthy, and stable aquariums and just more overall success than I ever did before, especially with difficult, so-called difficult fishes. Now, accepting that there's most definitely an elegant yet complex ecological dance in our aquariums and becoming an active monitor instead of an active intervener has really added an enjoyable and rewarding aspect to my love of the hobby. I think that this approach to the kind of dance not only makes you a more engaged hobbyist, it also gives you a you know, remarkable appreciation for the long-term evolution of an aquarium, an appreciation for the pace by which nature operates and the direction in which your aquarium ultimately goes. By doing this, you get the enjoyment of seeing the evolution every single day by observing and enjoying those subtle nuances of your aquarium at every stage of its existence. With my sort of go-slow mindset and practice, the differences are subtle in the short term, but the payoffs really more apparent over the long term. Again, it's okay to make changes, even significant ones, in the theme of your aquarium. However, it's simply not good practice to interfere with the processes which allow it to become what nature, and you too if you're honest, want it to become. I know it does feel a bit yin and yang, like I'm pulling from both sides, telling you on one hand that it's okay to make significant changes to a tank while simultaneously urging you to deploy you know, extreme patience in an almost monk-like way and to sit back and relax, that sort of approach. These seemingly diametrical opposite actions actually work really well together when you have that common denominator of good intentions, vision, careful actions, and, uh, you know, an appreciation for what nature can do if we let her. This philosophy, like so many things I ask you to consider here, doesn't always seem to make any sense right off the bat, does it? Until it does. Be kind to yourself and to nature. Trust that she'll guide you and your aquarium effectively along the way to its ultimate potential. She won't let you down. Even if you take a slight detour now and again, stay confident, stay observant, stay curious, stay patient, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Ten and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.